The following podcast is brought to you by Radio Southland and New Zealand On Air. Radio Southland is a community access media station based in Invercargill, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, radiosouthland.org.nz, for our contact details. Hi, it's Moi from the Southland Community Law Centre, and with me today is Denise Lormans. Hi, Denise, and thank you for coming in. Hi, Mike. Thanks for inviting me again. All good. Um, just for those who are not sure, Denise is our manager. Um, so, Denise, among the many varieties of legal matters that we deal with at the Law Centre, today's topic has seen major increase in assistance provided by us over the previous few years. Would you agree with that? Yep. Um, we've, we've gone from one every six months to more than um, 600 in total since 2009. So we've had a marked increase. Yeah. Yeah. So, thus, our topic for today is incorporated societies and charitable trusts. So what's the difference and what do registered groups need to know? Well, a lot of registered groups have found that their constitutions, some of them very crusty and old, are no longer fit for purpose. Some no longer actually comply with current legislative requirements and some never actually have. Um, some of these entities have been deregistered without them even knowing it because no one's filed the annual returns that are required um, with either the company's office or charities, which are two separate government-led departments right. who work with these sorts of entities. Okay, so can we touch on the differences between the two then? Yep, so the company's office control incorporated societies and charitable trusts as well as a few others. Um, and the Charities Commission only run the charities register. Oh, but okay. they both have application processes right. for registration. Yeah. So the differences between the two, like an incorporated society, um, mm-hmm. can be a club? Yep. So incorporated societies are generally not-for-profits, well, they all have to be not-for-profits in order to be a charity. Okay. Yep. You can't be charities registered unless you're a not-for-profit. Right. But okay. an incorporated society can operate at a... They can operate a company, but the profits must be ploughed back into the purposes of the incorporated society. Right. Yeah. Okay, so mostly um, incorporated societies these days are people who have common interests like hobbies and community interests or clubs, like you're saying, a lot of sports clubs were incorporated in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of public halls that were owned by the communities were incorporated rather than made trusts. But that's, I mean, the Act came out in 1908. What's your point? (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, in the day, you know, it was all Madam Chair, well, no Madam Chairs because women were hardly ever allowed in. Um, but, you know, they did get the vote, but let's not go there, okay, that's a different topic. <laughs> um, so the Act is really old, but it's got hundreds and hundreds of amendments to it for incorporated societies. The Charitable Trust, which is something completely different, is more suited for -for not-for-profit organisations that have charitable purposes as in services, facilitating events, providing direction and support to members of the community rather than members of their trust. Trust. So incorporated societies, you must have 15 or more people as members at all times. 
It's going to reduce to 10 when the legislation, if it ever gets changed, mm-hmm. um, gets changed. Charitable trusts are run by a trust board and don't actually have members other than the trust board. Right. So an incorporated society mm. can have financial members? Yes. So incorporated societies generally have a membership fee per annum. You know, if you think of some of the um, rugby clubs, they have a, an annual fee. Charter some clubs, of the yeah. yeah charter clubs, some of the tennis clubs, the the old swimming pools that are incorporated societies, they'll have a, a yearly fee. Right. Um, a lot of them had yearly fees, and that's how they funded well, the events they put on gotcha. in the day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So an incorporated society can have charitable purpose, though. Yeah. 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 Okay. Generally, does incorporated societies are normally only charitable doesn't mean you can't make money. It means that the money is not shared out amongst members as so, dividends. Right. And I think that's probably a point to make. Is, yeah. And I, 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 you I, can't I, benefit from being a member financially mm. or by any other type of advantage, um, as in goods or buildings or cars or whatever. Um, you actually, the only benefit you have is from being a member and participating in whatever the charity is doing. Hmm. Yeah, right. So basically, they uh, must both must have a charitable purpose. Oh, of yes, sorts. absolutely. Yeah, otherwise you won't get the funding that a lot of these places go for come from the marvelous people like uh, the Community Trust South or um, some of the pokey funders like the ILT Foundation. There are a few others, Southern Trust, um, the Lotteries Commission, and the Community Organisation Grants Scheme run through. Internal affairs, right. um, you have to be charitable to get their funding. Okay. Yeah. So I'm guessing um, there's more, which uh, will lead oh, yeah. us probably <laughs> to how the organisations are managed. So, yeah. yeah, so incorporated societies, as I said, they've got to have at least 15 members at all times. Some incorporated societies started out with hundreds, mm-hmm. literally hundreds of members, but are down to below 15 now and don't realise they actually have to drum up new members in order to be legally viable. Um, right. Um, charitable trusts don't have members, only that board of trustee who who run it collectively can have projects. Some of the trusts we've set up recently are ones for community halls and community swimming pools. So they run the facilities for the community, they do all the fundraising, they set the rules for use and all that sort of thing, but they are charitable. Hmm. Hmm. So how do groups select their members? Like, um, Can they be just anybody they want? They can be. I mean, every everyone is a standalone. Um, they can decide how they will allow people to become members. It has to be written into the Constitution. For charitable trusts, it's only pertinent to how the board is selected, and that has to be in the clauses of your Constitution. Right. And generally what we've been writing in the last four or five years is that the board for any charitable trust or any executive committee, managing committee, some some of them call themselves a society board as well for incorporated societies, they all must work together for the purposes of the organisation only. As declared in the Constitution. As declared in the Constitution. So people need to be really mindful that if they're going on one of these boards or committees they actually have to do things not just drink the tea and eat the scones 
Because <laughs> they're actually liable for any decisions made by the board while they're on it. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. So this would obviously make them accountable to their members as far as yes. the incorporated yep. society goes. Yep. Then if we just go off tact here a little bit, then say for a charitable trust mm. who has a board only, mm. who are they responsible to? They're still responsible to the community because they have to follow the objectives and goals of the trust board document. Right. Both, if you're incorporated or a charitable trust, mm -hmm. you're actually accountable to the company's office registrar because let's say somebody finds out that a either an incorporated society or a charitable trust is deviating and using funding for something other than what they were meant to be using it for, they can be reported not only to the funders but to the registrar's office. Right. So if you're going to deviate, for want of a better word... Make sure that you write a new constitution to reflect that or have a clause in your constitution that says any other purposes as deemed appropriate or legal by the board or committee or members. Or the members. Yeah. Everybody needs to Depending be on, to be on the same it is. page, essentially. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's cool. So... You mentioned liabilities. Yes. So my understanding is that you are, um, if you're a financial member of yeah. an incorporated society, then you are technically a part owner of the society and therefore partially, um, partially liable? No, unless you're on the committee, no. Right, so it's only committee members that yep. become... However, if you're a member of the society and you steal from the society, you will be held liable as anybody would. Mm -hmm. But it's decisions of the committee means the committee will be liable. Right. If they don't follow the processes within <coughs> the constitution or whatever policies might be attached to it for that particular group. Right, makes yeah. good sense. So, what about bookkeeping? The side, you know, that side of things is it a requirement um, that the society and/or a trust be audited? No. Um, in 2015, the External Reporting Board guidelines came out. Now, that's a government entity. Um, they decided how and who needed to report in what format. There's a difference between an audit and a financial review. Rules came in that meant auditors have to be qualified auditors, not some retired accountant who hasn't kept up to date with current financial procedures. Um, as lovely as they are, they can do a financial review but they can't do an audit now. Unless you're actually a qualified, certified auditor, you can't call yourself an auditor. Right, so auditor is the key word. Yeah. Right. Cool. I know we're running out of time, but I, if I just briefly touch, unless you are getting humongous money through your books every year, a financial review is most likely to be adequate for most registered charities. There are tiers for reporting. So there are different levels. If you've got less than half a million per year coming through, you can choose to have the financial statements reviewed or audited or do neither. We never recommend you do neither. We think everybody should have a review every year to make sure the books are being kept well, that all the records are being kept tickety-boo. Um, but you're going to need to be mindful that if it is in your constitution that was written in 1935 that you will have an audit, you actually are legally obliged to have a certified audit. So if your constitution needs hmm. reviewing, which you should do every two years or so, change that clause. 
Right. That's simple. Makes, yeah. Yeah. It's good sense. Yep. So it, um, whilst a, an incorporated society is this, there's a non-profit organisation, mm. it's fair that we would need to generate monies in order to keep the organisation going. Mm-hmm. So because of this, would we be breaking any laws? No. No. Providing you're not doing illegal things. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a horticultural interest police do not approve of, you will be held liable, in fact, most of the membership probably would be too if they're <laughs> buying the product. But, I mean, you, know, you, you may raise money, providing it is legal, and it still has to fit within your constitution. So in your constitution, you have to have a clause that says that either the committee or the committee and or membership will mm-hmm. decide how money will be raised. We came across one last year where the constitution didn't even say that the committee could... Um, seek funding from philanthropics like the IOT Foundation or CETOS. Cool. So we had to quickly change the constitution because they couldn't apply for funding. And funding could not be granted until it was until changed. Until it was actually met yeah. the criteria. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So just quickly, because we are getting squeezed for time, Yeah. Um, how do we register? There is an application process. Mm-hmm. They are online. If you want to do the charities registration, sorry, charities people, I'm sure you don't listen to the podcast, but um, it is the most painful one of all. Um, the company's office one is actually far more uh, business-like and straightforward. Some have fees, some don't. It very much depends on the type of entity you are. So ask. if we were to look at starting a club for whatever purpose, yep. um, could we just tap into the law centre and get some advice? Absolutely, you can. And uh, both the Charities Commission and the company's office have great guidelines online on how to write your constitution. They've got constitution builders there. And once you've built your first draft, come in and see us and we'll go through it and tell you what's missing. Excellent. Yeah. So um, that pretty much covers the next couple of questions I was going to ask, just briefly. Mm. Um, so it, what about winding up the corporate society or... or a charitable, charitable trust. trust yeah. You must follow the deeds in the uh, the constitution. The constitution. Yep. You can't change or deviate from that. No. So what if, for argument's sake, we've got somebody who's just sort of been bolshy enough to manage the whole thing on their own for the last 30 years? Then it's defunct anyway. <clears throat> right. So they've gone outside the scope of their role, um, which would mean that if they came to us for assistance, I would go to the company's office or charities and say, look, this has happened. Can we get a, um, a consideration for just winding it down, following the clauses as best as we can? Right. And excellent. we've had to do that for a few. Yeah. Yep. Ah, awesome. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for that brief rundown on the differences, Denise. Um, and maybe if we get some interest from our listeners, uh, we could go into a bit more depth. Yeah. Um, yep. Obviously, there's a lot more to, to sort of take on on board. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah. Again, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Um, it's always important to remember that all situations are unique and it is advised that if you are unsure about your um, your rights or, or obligations, you seek legal advice or information about your situation as early as you can. If you have any questions about what we've discussed today or have a query in relation to something else or you would like an appointment with one of our volunteer lawyers, then please call us on 21 or stop in at our offices at Level 2, 33 Don Street. Our office hours are 9am to 4.30pm Monday to Thursday and on Fridays we're open until 12.30pm. Throughout 2021, we will continue to run our rural outreach clinics uh, for the following Southland areas. Gore, Bluff, Winton, Riverton, Lumsden, 
Tiao Tiao, Ohio Nightcap, Tuatapiri, and Tiao <laughs> You can contact us on 0800 55 0800 to make an appointment uh, or for details of when we're next in your area. So until next time, stay happy and stay safe. And ring Mike and complain about his pronunciation <laughs> if you live in Tuatapiri. <laughs> <laughs> The preceding podcast was brought to you by Radio Southland with the support of New Zealand On Air. Their funding of accessmedia.nz makes these podcasts available. To find similar programs by other stations involved, go online to accessmedia.nz.